All right, and welcome back to Page 11 Podcast, the non-recommended podcast for all, and you will see why. Um, so this is a part two on our previous topic, serial killers, yeah. and we left off talking about uh, Ed Kemper, who Ed Kemper, yeah. is Tito's most favorite yeah, serial he's, killer. Yeah, he's my favorite serial killer. Um, and we were talking about how he uh, was extremely manipulative, and I think the last story that we were talking about was... Um, how he... The, his, he yeah, victim his victim that almost got away by him locking himself out of his car, and he uh, talked his victim into letting him back into the car and then proceeded to travel on to kill her. Um <clears throat> So yeah, so that was the he was very very manipulative, um, and what makes him so interesting to me is his self awareness. And again, this is something that I'm going to touch on uh, whenever we go over the Psychopath Inside book. Um, he uh, highly recommended. Oh yeah, very very much so. He um, had this like awareness of what he was that primarily like it was kind of the differentiating the two lives of his um killer life and his normal life which happened fairly early on in his killing sprees and then um later on after the killing of his mother the realization that he is what he is and just kind of his understanding of himself is just phenomenal it's it's just insane so, um, so yeah, he, he was, again, he was, uh, wanted to be a cop and, um, shared a lot of the, and a lot of the cop stories that, uh, the other police would tell him. And then he would come back with his own, uh, cop stories that he would see on TV shows and stuff. And, um, but he was smart enough to not let them know that he was a killer, you know, obviously. Um, but yeah, so, uh, what I wanted to talk about in the last one that I didn't really get a chance to was, um, he had what he called a science of, of getting people to trust him. And this is, <clears throat> this is talked about in one of his interviews in which uh, they asked him, like, you're, you're a big guy, like, you're a big intimidating guy. And then the interviewer asked him, like, how did you, how did you get people to willingly get into your vehicle? And so he had this, this concept that he said when you drive up to somebody who's looking to hitchhike, and he's like, if you come up and you're staring at them, you're staring intently, they're not going to trust you. And he was like, so what he would do is he would kind of be driving up and he would be going. Then it's also benefit of picking up people on campus was he said he was driving slow enough that he had time to kind of put on a, a show for them. So he'd be driving and he would see them. And then he would kind of make a note to look at his watch. And then he'd look at them and then he'd kind of like, and he'd kind of like keep going and at the last second he would pull off and stop and he said and that developed a sense of security of like me checking the watch he said would would be like him like kind of saying like do i have time to pick somebody up and then kind of the decision to i really don't and then driving past and then being in his good nature at the last second, like, I just can't, I can't not pick this person up. So then he would pull off. And he said, and that basically reinforced in their mind without them really knowing was he was in a rush. So it would make it, the car drive wouldn't be as awkward. He would be less likely to talk and stuff. It would be more of just kind of a car ride to wherever they're going. And he was a good enough person that he couldn't just pass somebody up who needed a ride, who needed help. 
Now, how did he come to this conclusion? Like, did he research this, or was this no. something he, like... So, again, as I said, like, where before he actually started killing, he would pick people up and drive them to where they needed to go, and he was just kind of... And those were he saw as, like, trial runs. Mm-hmm. So he would... He perfected this science, as he called it, um, doing those before he actually killed anybody. Mm-hmm. And he said, and then when he first started off, there was people that wouldn't get in the car with him that would say, oh, never mind, like, you know, and then he kind of started toying with stuff and then he came to that conclusion but see that makes him a little bit different from how you describe what sociopaths is that with they they are incapable yeah so antisocial is typically credited with not being able to learn from past mistakes and and that's why i think he's different this is why i didn't i it confused the shit out of me that Mm -hmm. and also uh the antisocial but antisocial was a little misleading in its Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 another thing that like kind of just gets to me is when people are like, "Oh, I'm antisocial," and it's like, I mean, obviously they don't mean the true meaning of antisocial, but it is one of those things that is a very well, very serious kind of that... yeah, where they say like, "Oh, sorry, that's just my OCD," and it's like, yeah. well, you don't really have OCD, but you know, you you just like things neat or whatever, and so it's kind of the same thing. Well, it's the same it's thing like... when I said uh, like we're the age of ADD, which yeah, that, yeah. like not all of us are exactly ADD. exactly, and it's just... kind of that mentality. Of just but i i think um the thing with antisocial is it's so far beyond what it actually means that i think is it's just i i I would be more comfortable with people saying they're introverts because antisocial is just a very there's so much weight behind that i very much agree with that because i do believe people are more introverted than actually being antisocial. yeah antisocial it's such a it's rare and it, it like for the most part, but it, it's there again. There's just so much weight behind it that it's not like something that should be romanticized in any shape of the word. Um, but yeah, so so he um, he had like this this trial and error where he developed this science. So then he would he would stop and ask them where they were going. So like he would pull over, and they would be like, oh, and they, he's already put on his little show of like I'm a good person. You know, I checked my time. I decided I had enough time to stop, and he would stop, and instead of saying, oh, get in, he would say, hey, where are you headed? And they would tell him where they were going. And of course it didn't matter. He wasn't actually on his yeah. way to do anything. But they would tell him, oh, I'm going here. And then he would look at his watch again, and he'd be like, all right, yeah, yeah, go ahead, hop in. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of reinforced that, like, I'm in a hurry, so I'm going to take you where you need to go, but I, I'm in so a hurry. So the only thing they'd be really compelled to do is to rush in before you know he changes his mind exactly and like oh shoot i need to hurry like the only thing they're really going to say is like hey i'm really thankful that you picked me exactly up and, that's it. and he he developed a more trustworthy kind of yeah idea and even for if them he did come off off putting like eh, or like he just when he would get his silence where he was kind of it was more of along the lines of like he's thinking where he's going to go and he doesn't yeah. he's like in a he's rush and, exactly yeah. and so it was just like this i this this science as he called it and it was it was just so perfectly executed that they just immediately would drop their guard and then occasionally if he asked him a few questions he would he would ask him some disarming questions at first to distract to distract them from realizing that they weren't they might not have even been going in the right direction he would start like, oh, okay, you know, like, what are you studying? Like, what are you... And they would, they would be so interested in the conversation. And again, it was because this initial 
um, within that first few seconds of, of them seeing him in the car, that personality of like that, that helpful person, that, that kind of disarming person that he would build in the first few seconds was so off-putting to them that the rest of the time it was easy for him. And so he would ask them, like, oh, what are you studying? And they would be more inclined to answer, and then they'd be involved in it, and they'd be thinking about that, and he could kind of go wherever he wanted, and they wouldn't really be paying attention. Mm. And it's funny because, like, um, I've noticed with, with Uber rides, if you've ever been Uber ride, yeah. um, if they are asking you questions, you're talking, and then all of a sudden they're like, all right, we're here, and you're like, oh, holy shit. You know, or they're, like, turning down the street where you need to go, and you're like, oh, wow, we got here really fast. And it, it's kind of the same, like idea that he would kind of get them talking honestly i just think because of my background yeah that that's never well, really happened to me it's where, like I, I i when i'm in a car with, yeah with an, like, <laughs> a driver yeah you know i am paying attention where i'm going especially which is good yeah yeah and i i completely agree i think yeah. it's important that you should i just uh, like that was kind of but yeah uh, for the most part people don't because like what, exactly because when i'm with my friends and stuff i i don't i don't that too yeah that would probably yeah, be a better one is if you're whatsoever. if you're in a conversation yeah um you kind of lose track of where you're actually going and that's that's kind of how he would approach it and he would develop this he had he had a way of developing this sense of I'm a trustworthy person that I'm a friend mm-hmm. and they, it just, it just worked. Like, and so he had this system and it, it, I mean, it got him. And also he did have a very calming tone. Like oh, he his, did, he knew how to speak. The way he speaks his tone, when you hear him talk, it is so genuine sounding. Yeah. And that's uh, something else that I kind of wanted to talk about that, um, when you brought up that maybe it was like his love for his mother. Yeah. Um, there's actually oh, an interview where yeah, he talks about that. And he like fake cries. He fake cries in it. Yes. And he talks about how much he loved her and how much he misses her and he starts crying and then he instantly stops uh-huh. and he's just completely back to normal. And, yeah. and then later on he was, yeah, he was just like in a different interview. He's so like, I yeah, get- like he likes messing with people. <sighs> I w- He's, he the more the more it's just he he's very intriguing. He is he is and very very intriguing. You know, what, but I think the main thing I always take away from him is that I I feel like he he really is to be accredited a lot to how much uh, the forensic teams and the profiling teams have learned well, and, because of how open he was with, yeah and how honest he was. Well, and that was that was something that. Um, he, whenever he was in prison, he was talking to John Douglas. There's an interview that John Douglas talks about where they were kind of, they had some free time. They were talking to, um, I think they were trying to meet with Charles Manson because him and Charles Manson were at the same prison, Ed Kemper and Charles Manson. And um, I think they actually cover it in Mindhunter as well. In one they of the do. Episodes. Yeah, there is, and, there is yeah, the episode where and it's, I think they split up. Yeah, 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 and they're they're talking about, but it's like in John Douglas's book, they're both sitting there and they have some free time while they're waiting on Charles Manson, and they start talking to Ed Kemper, and um, he says Which, that how crazy they were in the same fucking prison. Yeah, well, they're, yeah, they were both out of California, so they. Mm. Um, but yeah, and so they're they're talking about it, and uh, he basically, like, they they kind of they're they're also somewhat tracking another killer at the same time and um so they're they're they kind of bring up the killer to uh ed kemper because he kind of catches on pretty quickly he's like there's somebody else like there's something else that you guys are worried about 
And so he's like, oh, tell me, you know, like, I'll, I'll help you guys out. And so they kind of, without giving any details, really, they kind of tell him, like, oh, it's just this person that we can't seem to catch. And um, so he's he kind of, Ed Kemper says something that just, just made so much sense, where he said, um, he's like, maybe you can't catch him because you've spent so much time interviewing the people that you've already caught. And he's like, maybe you should start looking at the people that you haven't caught. And it, it made this, this sense of, like, the ones that you've caught are the ones that have made mistakes. If you can't catch this guy, maybe he's not making mistakes, and you should look at the ones that didn't make mistakes. And, of course, Ed Kemper, again, being so obsessed with the police force, he actually did want to be a consultant for the FBI whenever he was in prison. Um, he wanted them to come to him to help to be able to help solve crimes and catch killers. But then again, that's him too. He didn't make the mistake. Exactly. He so that was his, yeah. his... He was trying to get John Douglas and... and um, I can't remember the other guy's yeah. name now. Um, he was trying to get them to, uh, to basically realize that they need to be asking him how he would do certain things yeah. and that he could help them. And so he was trying to get them to understand that. And they, they kind of did, but at the same time, it was more of like eye-opening of... The realizing that, yes, the killers that we've caught, they're the ones who have messed up. And um, so that that just level of, like, that that almost, like, eureka moment yeah. <laughs> of just, like, oh, my God, like, we've been going about this all wrong. It was it was just, it was game-changing, and it was very, very, because, um, like, I mean, they, they're still learning stuff about Zodiac Killer that's helping them with other crimes and stuff because he was never caught. And so it's just kind of very, very interesting. And then the, How the long last ago thing, was Zodiac, killer? Zodiac was also in the '60s. '60s was very, very Damn. big for serial killers. Um, and so, uh, so um, the other thing I did want to touch on with Ed Kemper was uh, he, um, after he turned himself in, he was arrested. And again, he went to a payphone after picking up those two girls, dropping them off, and then realizing that he just couldn't not kill people. Um, he went to went to a payphone, called the bar, and asked for the cop specifically, the, the cop that he knew. They got the cop on the phone, and he said, hey, I'm at this street and this street. You need to come pick me up. I've killed, um, he said, I've killed eight people. And so they, they were like, stay right where you're at, you know, and they, they get some police over there, and they, they arrest him, and he led them to the, the burial sites of the bodies and of the remains, of the remains they hadn't found. And he gives them, he gives them everything, confesses to everything, gives them everything, and they send him to prison. He pleads guilty, he goes to prison, and since then, he has been so cooperative with police and security at the prison that on four separate occasions, they've offered him a chance of parole. And on four separate occasions, he has denied parole. He wouldn't even go to the meetings. And when asked finally, they were like, "Why are you? Why are you doing this? Like, why are you?" And, and he, he said, just be like, "Why are you offering it?" Yeah, like, like he's straight up like they were like, "Why? Like, why are you? Um, why do you keep denying parole? Like, you seem like you're you're doing better." And he but would say, "Because if I get out, this exactly." And so he he would straight up tell him, "If I get out, I'm gonna kill somebody else." Like, oh my god! And it was just this and idea that he didn't really want to kill people. But it was, um, and that was another thing that he talked to John Douglas about. He tells him, in one of them, they're they're talking about um, killing almost as it's a as if it's a hobby, and Ed Kemper corrects him, and he says it's not a hobby. It's so much more than that. He calls it a vocation, which is like, 
almost like a, a need. Like it's like OCD. It's like an obsession. Like he's like, it's something that you can't let go of. Yeah. And he says, and the reason being is, he says the risk is too great. He's like, why would you, if, if you risked being put on death row or going to prison for life, why would you risk it on something that was just a hobby? It's deeper than that. And that was when uh, that was another reason, another moment of realization where they were like, "This is it's not um, it's not something that they necessarily like." Some of them don't necessarily enjoy doing it. Some of them they have to. It's like a tick. It's like it's something that just has to be done. It's an itch that needs to be scratched. And so that was another thing that kind of opened the eyes of of John Douglas and and kind of changed a lot of how they see they saw serial killers at the time was just this realization that it's not. Um, it, it's not a hobby. It's not like a pastime. It's it's a way of life. It's a lifestyle, is how he talked about it, and just him understanding all of this. And I'm I'm just like that's another thing that I find so fascinating about him is how many serial killers can you think of that were if given the chance of parole, wouldn't take it. You know, like could you imagine like Ted Bundy denying parole, or you mean Charles that Manson that who, escaped twice? Yeah. Or Charles Manson, who to his dying breath claimed that he didn't kill anybody, that he wasn't. Technically, yeah, I know, but he he claimed like but that, that he wasn't guilty. He would and be the other one I would think would get away with it. Would Charles be, Manson? Would I think parole. I think he was but not because. Um, I think because of the technicality that he didn't. Well. I, I, yeah, um, the reason Charles Manson, I don't think, ever would have been offered that is um, they kind of knew he wasn't, like, you know, and how, like, he, there was the story of, um, and they covered it again in Mindhunter, which is a great series, and you guys should definitely watch it. I need, it's, re- it's, I need it's, to get back into it. I yeah. stopped at, like, And then um, read his book, too, John Douglas's book. I think it's also called Mindhunter. Um, making me do things. And, uh, no, and it's, it's like, you realize, like, how much they looked into the creators of the show, how much they actually studied and talked to and referred to John Douglas. Um, because it, it is like, according to John Douglas and, and his uh, writings and I look like his I experiences, like I know. They're going to they're gonna study my notebook. <laughs> like, oh, fuck? fuck. You don't even want to see my notebook. Uh. <laughs> I have seen the notebook. <laughs> and I've seen your handwriting. Yeah, it's, it's and not trust good. Me, it, it, I, I feel like I'm your lawyer half the time. He is not a serial killer <laughs> or potential serial killer. But, um, yeah, like Charles Manson, um, there, there's a story of where he, there was a, there was a cop with uh, sunglasses. It was a security guard that had sunglasses. And in the, in the show, they, they make it to where it's um, Holden Ford's sunglasses. But in the actual story, it was a, it was a security guard's. And um, Charles Manson asked if he could keep the sunglasses. And the security guard was just like, all right, whatever, you know, and gave him the sunglasses. And then Charles Manson spread the rumor that he had stole it from the security guard. And so that was just kind of like, he was just kind of a compulsive liar. And it just, he just didn't fit the, the, it was very, very clear that he wasn't, he was a manipulator and he wasn't fit for society. Charles Manson was very, very smart and he was very, very manipulative, but he went after a certain type of person. He couldn't manipulate anybody and everybody. It was a certain type of person that he just knew how to get to mm-hmm. them. And um, that, that's what made him so, because like, he, he just targeted certain people. Um, but yeah, like I definitely, like he, he wouldn't 
turned down parole. Uh, John Wayne Gacy wouldn't have turned down parole. Uh, you know, like most, any prolific serial killer that you can think of, with the exception of Ed Kemper, wouldn't have had the, the self-awareness or just like almost the moral high ground that's mainly what it to, is, the morality. Yeah, to, to say, become, like, no, I will kill somebody yeah. again, so you shouldn't let me out. Like, and it's that's that's why I think him paired with that book are going to completely revolutionize how we see psychopaths and He and definitely is the most killers. fascinating. I, I and, completely... But it's another reason why I, I think H.H. H. Holmes is so fascinating, because he put so many... Because he, he was just straight up an evil man. Yeah. He was straight up evil. He was. He was but just he evil. But he was calculated. Oh yeah. He he he, like, he was very. He turned clever. it into a business. Yeah. Like, that which is very interesting. Yeah. Like, he turned killing into a business. He did. And, and he manipulated people. Yeah. Oh, he did. And and yeah, a he, lot of he had a a lot of the the very very like prolific serial killers were just masters of manipulation. Yeah. And um, it's it's just uh. Like, I, I just, I, again, and I, I completely agree. I think H.H. H. Holmes, um, I think the Zodiac Killer, and I think Edmund Kemper are just in a league of their own. But I, I don't think it's it's necessarily close. I, I do think Ed Kemper was the most intelligent of all of them. I, I think he's he's just... Uh, I will, def- I will agree. Like, he's just, his his self-awareness, his intelligence, just how he was able to calculate every aspect of all of it was just phenomenal. And like, he just... To have, and also to be so high in morality. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, the guy literally killed ten people, his, but he had the moral high ground. What was professor of? I don't, I don't know. Can you look it up? Yeah. Let's, uh... Like, because I feel, because, um, because in the book, um... Uh, the writer talks about when he finds out that he was a psychopath, he goes to his, his mommy and he's like, hey, um, so I, I, I found this out about myself. Did you, did you know or did you have any hints? And she's like, yeah, there, there were some hints that makes it that I'm not 100% surprised. And he... Oh, he is when he started can, putting on weight. Holy shit, he looks just like him. <laughs> uh, we're looking at a picture of Ed, Edward Kemper now, and if you watch Mindhunter, the looks actor exactly like him. looks just like him, and I we fucking love that actor, by the way. Oh, he's it was, amazing. It was a huge selling point for Tito for uh, Umbrella Academy, because he's also yeah. in there, and we d- actually did not talk oh, yeah. about them whatsoever. <laughs> Six, nine, three hundred pounds. Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn. Hells no. Um, but, yeah, what was I saying? Um, I forgot. I'm sorry. Yeah. I completely screwed that up. Oh, the, the you were talking oh, about, about the, the book. Oh, about the book. Yeah, and he, he accredited that the, uh, uh, why he thinks that he never became a killer was because he was raised in a loving family mm-hmm. uh he was raised with strong uh religious values and high morality and did he say it was something else besides his up he he just had a he had a good childhood he had a yeah. proper upbringing like yes he had instances um where they were signs 
of being being a psychopath, but uh, his parents um, did what they could to raise him right and to kind of correct him in his in his in his uh, in his childhood, and um, that's why I'm I'm really curious to see Ed Kemper's mom. Because yeah. I know she she mistreated him, mm-hmm. but with her being a professor and her being, I guarantee you that woman was stupid and inte- like crazy intelligent. Oh, probably, yeah. And um, and that's another thing too. Just his his IQ. What'd you say? It was one one forty five. One forty five. Holy shit! Menza is one thirty. Uh, one thirty eight. One th- oh, they raised it. Yes, one thirty-eight. Because uh, average is like one seventeen. I think it's um, uh, one thirty-eight to one forty is considered genius. Holy shit! And then anything above that is considered like um, exceptional. Yeah. That's his mom. Oh God, she looks like a. Uh... Oh god, she looks like a witch. Um, what does it say? But yeah, um, and I said in the previous podcast that uh, I feel like Kemper helped inspire um, the character of Dexter, and who else did you say he inspired? Um, Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. Because of his persuasion like, working with the to, cops yeah. and I see that completely and that is another subject I wanted to cover is how um, these serial killers really did influence um, the entertainment inter- industry I mean first off there is a whole entertainment industry on uh, serial killers and my first introduction to that really was Dexter and uh, Criminal Minds, um, but mainly Dexter. I really wasn't into Criminal Minds that much until I want to say like 2017. But um, it it truly is fascinating. That and also another good series, if you like the science behind this, behind the behavioral unit, uh, behind profiling is actually called uh it's called lie to me Mm. and it they go over the study of body language and tics oh yeah and uh verbiage and tone like pretty much how you can tell if someone is lying or see Mm -hmm. their true intent uh just how they present themselves yeah and i feel like that is something obviously ed kemper was he was good at yeah yeah he was very knowledgeable and what she was able to so, do. There's but, actually no, like no, no no information on no, her. No, they have her like birth date and the, pretty much that she was his wow. mom. Um, so unfortunately, I, I don't know what she taught and I don't know much about her. Um, but she taught at the college, right? She taught at the college. She worked yeah. at the college, and uh, yeah, and because that's how he lived near the campus. And she was gone most of the ty- most of the day. You know, he was kind of free to do whatever he wanted. I don't know. I still have a theory that yes, uh, there was immense hatred. Mm-hmm. But I think there was still a part of him I mean, that, that wanted to either please her or prove her wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I could see that, definitely. And I, the only reason I go towards more the ple- 
uh, pleasing is because um, of the whole putting the heads yeah under her to look up to yeah. her yeah um, yeah so I I'm not real sure I I like I said he has mentioned that before that he he loves and misses his mom but. At the same time, again, that was one of those things. Well, now that, that's bullshit. Yeah, he said you that he, he that. liked um, uh, he liked to mess with people and that he fake cried in that interview, which is extremely convincing when you watch it and you're just like, oh, holy crap! And then like you find out later that he was just like, yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't real crying. Like I was faking it, and you're just like, oh god, <laughs> like he's he's extremely like that. The interview that in which he did the fake cry after that mm-hmm. aired, uh, there was a lot of people that started like feeling bad for him and kind of they started feeling sorry for him and they kind yeah. of yeah, like he was getting a lot of empathy from other people and then he you was really just do like, have yeah. mixed emotions about this guy. Oh, it is. It's he's extremely but manipulative. Here, here's the thing. And, like, I, he's terrifying in the fact that like he could probably get away with whatever he wanted. Oh, definitely. No, he can. Yeah. And he just chose not to. Yeah, he, he literally chose not to, which is why, again, I think he's so fascinating. I, yeah. I seriously think um, I think soon, relatively soon, hopefully with the next DSM, if not with the one after, um, they come out every five to ten years or so um, with a new DSM. But uh, I definitely think it's, it's um, going to be um, more of psychopathy and then on a spectrum and then sociopathy and on another spectrum and it'll the spectrum will range from antisocial to pro-social and I think what happened was I think Ed Kemper was a, a pro-social psychopath which is the same I think that um, James Fallon was I think he was a pro-social psychopath I think their upbringing is what made Ed Kemper kill people mm-hmm. and what made James Fallon not kill people was the upbringing but I think the the pro-social morals and the pro-social just want of like he wanted to be in the police he wanted to catch killers he wanted to be a part of that um i think that kind of makes him more of a pro-social psychopath and i think it was it was kind of the defining factor for him turning himself in and denying parole um i i seriously think it's more of a spectrum and less of a just anti-social as an umbrella term i think it's i think it and i i honestly could see it changing very very soon um with all of these new findings that we're going with and Ed Kemper I, I think he just needs to be asked the right questions and I think he would very very much kind of show that he has morals he just um his upbringing has kind of closed those off a little bit but that he genuinely can care for people and and kind of in his own way anyways um that he just I, I think he's yeah I think he would be classified as a pro-social psychopath um I definitely don't think he's uh, uh, paranoid schizophrenic. I think he's way too calculating and calm for that, and way too self-aware. Yeah, he was diagnosed with that at 15, and it was um, something about like it makes sense of the oh his mom's evil and killing the source of the evil, which is his grandparents made sense to him. So that would make sense why they would come to that conclusion. Um, I just I think it was misdiagnosed, but I don't think he's been diagnosed since then. I think it's been more of like a they've just kind of gone with that. Um, but I, I think he needs to be reevaluated, but, um, so yeah, so that's definitely something else that I would like to expand on more when we talk about the book, but, um, until then, I guess we can move on to the next killer that, uh, we wanted to cover, which, um, did you want to do, uh, David or do you want to do Richard? Um, I don't want to do anybody. 
I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you pick. Um, <laughs> She's like, wait, those are guys' names. Uh, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> um, you know what? You you have a uh, Richard right now. Richard Rumi. Okay. And uh, so that. I mean, it would be literally that, but. Um, all right so yeah we we can do richard ramirez uh richard ramirez um was a texas native uh, born in the 60s um born in actually 1960 and he was a serial killer that killed in the 80s um he uh he's known as the night stalker he used the uh, 1980s blackouts across. Now he was was he another Cali killer? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess I guess that he could moved. have been the yeah. episode. Is that we're... Cali killers? Yeah. Yeah, I think all of them were. Yeah, the, yeah. the only one that because uh, no, well, no, because we went over H.H. Holmes. He was Chicago. Oh yes. Noise. Um, but yeah, so uh, uh, Richard Ramirez killed in California in the 80s, um, and he would use he would use the uh, rolling blackouts of the 80s in California to kind of cover himself. So what makes Richard Ramirez so much different than a lot of the serial killers that we'll cover is um, his dad was a police officer and was very abusive. And so he would basically leave his house and go to his, um, I think it was his brother? Cousin. Was it his cousin? His, his, yeah, his cousin. Oh, yeah, yeah his was, older cousin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I didn't realize um, he was a Green Beret. I knew he was in yeah, the Army. Yeah, he I was, was a Green like, Beret. Oh, shit. But that makes a li- that not so much more sense, but it does make a lot more sense in the fact that like how he learned how to be a little bit more mm-hmm. stealth, how yeah. he learned to be more calculated and to be good with a knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so um, his older cousin uh, Mike Ramirez was uh, Green Beret um, during the Vietnam War. And he had a lot of pictures and stories of just gruesome stuff that he did during the Vietnam War. Yeah, and um, Richie became fascinated. He was essentially his his older cousin would have been a serial killer had he not been in the military. He he definitely probably should have been caught for some war crimes. <laughs> well, that was Vietnam. Which... Yeah, he um he would rape and torture and then kill women uh, across Vietnam. And, um, when he was there and he actually, he had, um, pictures like Polaroid pictures of him with like severed heads and with the bodies of these women that he raped and tortured. And he would consistently, he would show them to, uh, uh, Richard Ramirez all the time and basically share his gruesome stories of the Vietnam war and what he did. And he would show them to Richard Ramirez at the tender age of 12 years old. Um, they would, they would smoke weed and he would tell them the stories of the Vietnam war. And, uh, basically he started teaching him. So I don't want to hear shit saying that I'm a bad influence. (laughs) Yeah. Basically his, his older cousin started teaching him, uh, different like stealth techniques. I showed my nephew's ducktails. Damn it. I'm damn good. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he taught him how to use a knife. He taught him how to kill. He taught him how to stay hidden and he basically just kind of taught him all this stuff and um, now what do you think his cousin suffered from and do you think uh, it was also ptsd that would kind of triggered it and made him a sociopath or do you think he was just a born psychopath i think um i think it was a level of of sociopath 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I think that was because obviously I, I don't really know much of his life before the military, but I know being in Vietnam and, and facing the um, basically ridicule that he would have faced and just doing the things that he did, I guess it was it kind of desensitized him and, and kind of formed like this PTSD of, yeah. of making him kind of... Which that's the topic I do to, want to go over is decent. Yeah, de- and I, I, think, um, I think he kind of like doing what he did in Vietnam was a way of him being able to cope with the other stuff that he had to do. I think and that kind of led to all of that. You know, um, Richie was so engulfed in his stories and just idolized him, so it probably only encouraged him more. Exactly, and so, so I, I think he was yeah. a sociopath because he had this level of of love and care for his cousin, even though it was misguided. Yeah, he he had a sense of of um, where he wanted to take care of his and cousin and showed him, him how to point. exactly. Show him everything. And so he was showing him stuff, and yeah. he was they were bonding, and they were like he developed this closeness. I I think he was more of a a sociopath in the sense that it was something that affected him and not that he was necessarily born that way. Yeah. Um, and but, uh, I learned about uh, Richard Ramet, uh, Ramirez from uh, from American Horror Story, and that mm-hmm. is a whole topic that I just wanted to cover Yeah, in general, we can cover that, yeah. Um, I'll admit there are some seasons I was not a huge fan of. There are mm-hmm. others that I have rewatched constantly. <laughs> there is, honestly, I think... I, th- I think too many people have watched the uh, election year one. Mm-hmm. Um, that is definitely one you should definitely watch because I think you would just laugh your ass off. Because um, <laughs> I, I think that's honestly part of what's going on right now. All right, that's fair. Um, but uh, he's the only serial killer that I remember. He's he's brought up twice in the series. Richard Ramirez? Yes. Okay. Um, they have one which... Uh, it's also how I learned about H.H. H. Holmes mm-hmm. was um, in Hotel, the one where Lady Gaga's in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're just like, All right. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm interested or not, but... Uh, Definitely intrigued. Yeah. But, um, um, it's his hotel. It's, oh, okay. It's H.H. Uh, H. 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 Holmes' hotel. hotel. That's and cool. The thing is, is that um, if you die there, you're trapped there. Mm-hmm. So you're just a ghost that stays there. And uh, Richard Ramirez is in the hotel. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, he is not in the hotel. I strike that. Um, on Halloween, H.H. Uh, Holmes hold, holds, like, a Halloween feast, dinner festival for previous killers. So Zodiac comes in. Um, John Wayne Gacy. Uh, oh, wow. And... Uh, God damn, Dahmer, like a bunch of the notorious serial killers come in for this dinner and like they bring in like someone that they're gonna kill and like they all kill him on that day and Richard Rodriguez is one of the guests that comes in and that was the first time I saw him, you saw him and then when they did uh, American Horror Story uh, 1980s, mm. he was the main killer. And his like his whole thing in it is fucking fascinating, how they had him in there. That that was um, that was a segment I did not think I would enjoy, but I did. <laughs> especially because I'm not gonna lie, I'm also a fan of uh, like classic horror movies, especially like Fravor. Uh, wow, I almost said Fravor, Jason. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a little it's a little late. Sorry. 
uh, especially uh, Freddy Krueger and Friday Thirteenth, and um, yeah, those are those are yeah. my two favorites. Then also for some reason I watched all Leprechaun and Child's Play, <laughs> <laughs> and the Child's Play remake was horrible. I have yeah. this, like I, I I don't even think I could watch the whole thing. Like and that, um, that's a whole another topic, and I'm rambling on the whole, that whole thing. It's okay. Um, sorry, um, you were, I can't remember which one it was. Richard, Richard, uh, yeah, yeah, we were talking about Richard Ramirez, but there was, there was a killer that, uh, for some reason I, popped into my head. Oh, God. Um, that I can't remember who it was, but he would, he would kill and eat his victims, because you said, uh, whenever they would die in the hotel, they would, um. Yeah, Dahmer. Like, they were stuck there. Was it, it, he would kill and eat his victims, and he had, uh, he had the belief that if you killed and ate somebody, that in the afterlife they were your slave. Uh, and he was—he spent was time killing and eating people because, dollars. yeah, and that's why I'm like trying to remember I who don't it was. If that was his. Um, that I, I can't remember who it was, but he would go around killing been, and eating that people. That might have been AJ Holmes. And he believed that, yeah, if like if you did that, they were your slaves in the afterlife, and that um, uh, he was trying to kill as many people as he could, so that way in the afterlife he would just have a a bunch of slaves. And I, I don't remember who it was that believed that. But anyway, that's what I thought of right away when you said um, they were stuck in the, in the hotel mm-hmm. if they died. But um, So back to Richard Ramirez real quick, yes, and we'll, we'll cover was all I of that. Was I saying Ramirez or was I saying Rodriguez? Cause... No, I, you were saying Ramirez. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, right. Like I said, I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit tired. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I'll answer for them. It's fine. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Richard you don't Ramirez... speak for them, Tito. <laughs> Um, Richard Ramirez uh, was there when his cousin um, Miguel or Mike Ramirez uh, shot and killed his wife, and Richard Ramirez was present for it. And um, uh, Miguel, his his older cousin, um, was arrested and found guilty, but he was he was technically found not guilty by means of insanity. Like, oh. they knew he did it, but they were like, oh, we find him well, not guilty of, of first-degree murder because it was insanity. And um, they they put him into the uh, Texas State Mental Hospital, but he was released after four years. Mike Ramirez was. He was released after what four years fuck? at the mental hospital. And then, of course, he kind of continued to um, talk to Richard Ramirez, who um, eventually started... Um, he started to, uh, kind of have, like, these, these, um, desires for, like, forced bondage and rape, Richard Ramirez mm-hmm. did. And well, this is what we were speaking of yeah, within yeah. the last few episodes when it comes to the escalation of... Yeah, we were talking about that. Um, yeah, it was two episodes ago with um, our review of our debate. Uh, debate. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, and it, it just kind of escalated because he he had these ideas and he started. Um, uh, he got a job at a hotel, and he used that to be able to rob people that were staying in the hotel, and he would do it at night. And um, when they were asleep, he would start robbing them, and then he kind of. Um, it kind of escalated. So at first he started robbing, and then he would stay. He would yeah, he would and then, well later. he would stay. He would he started to attempt to rape them. Yeah. And um, 
one of the I get the one of the hotel guests came back and found him trying to rape the guy's wife, and um, the 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 guy beat Richard Ramirez half to death, like he beat the hell out of him, and uh, they basically the couple left. He lost his job, and the charges were dropped from Richard Ramirez because the couple lived out of state, and they didn't want to come back to testify against him. So because there was no witnesses and there was nobody to so testify. So because of your inconvenience. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't come back to testify against him, and uh, so the charges were dropped, yeah. and he was, he was released. And then he dropped, um, he dropped out of high school and then moved to California. And he moved to California at the age of 22. And then um, he uh, started living in a hotel. And his first murder was a nine-year-old girl you know, that he killed in the basement. Um, and he, he raped and beat her. And then he stabbed her to death. And then, yeah, he hanged was her body. Was it a from, girl he abducted, or like he? She was also like her family was staying at the hotel. Okay. And yeah, and he um, he raped and beat her, and then he stabbed her to death, and then he hung her body from the the pipes in the basement. And then um, that kind of just uh, escalated from there. Um, so he, uh, yeah, from there on, it it just escalated. You know, a couple months later. He um, went, he broke into a 79-year-old woman's house in Los Angeles, and he stabbed her um, while she was asleep, and the report says that her throat was slashed so deeply that she was nearly decapitated. And, yeah, they found his fingerprints at at the scene. Now, Um, were all all his victims of a severity of helplessness that, like, extremely young extremely old or like yeah. they had some something that hindered them from being fully um capable. so not he all of a, them were older yeah. or kind of younger it was this just was kind of women in general first. but yeah. yeah like so he did the nine-year-old and the 79-year-old and then um he had a 30 year old uh 22-year-old um and then you know he killed a woman that was 64 and he just kind of like so it was um there's multiple uh, different, like, age groups and stuff. He just kind of, he, it was pretty much with the blackouts. He would just kind of roll with whatever he, he could do. He would roll with the blackouts? Yeah. With the rolling blackouts? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he killed a, a 64-year-old, year old, a 64-year-old man, and then um, he, he shot the husband and then raped the wife and then stabbed her. And, um, yeah, and so... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. He shot her three times and then stabbed her to death. Oh. Um, so then, yeah, and it just continued on. He just, uh, that was his thing. He had a 22 pistol, 22 caliber pistol that he would shoot him with, and then and he would stab him to death, and he would, he would basically um, kill the husband, and then he would rape and kill the wife. And then if they were living alone, he would, he would kill them. And it was just, I mean, it was just across the entire 80s of the blackouts, he just went through and and was and what, what caught him so he um went to visit his brother in tucson and uh basically like he he didn't really know that um he was being tracked so heavily 
and they were kind of, I guess, onto him a little bit, but he tried to return. Well, that goes into, like, the cockiness and not, like, thinking that he, he's making any mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so he basically, uh, returned to Los Angeles because he couldn't find his brother, and it just happened because he went to Tucson and then came back. There was police that were standing near the, um, the bus station. Mm -hmm hoping to catch him fleeing and uh some some elderly ladies um identified him as being the killer and so he he ran and as he ran they they kind of um yeah he um he tried to carjack a woman was chased away by bystanders who pursued him um and then it was so it was a group of residents that actually caught him and, uh, yeah, they, they... You know what? They covered that in a... Yeah, they covered that in a American Horror Story. Yeah, they... They, 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 they kind of mirrored his in his, his actual life a little bit. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, it was a group of people. They A group of just kind of pedestrians, I guess. And they caught him and they beat him while the cops were on the way. <laughs> so they beat him and then the cops took him into custody. And, um, yeah, he... Uh, he um, Tried to do, yeah, he did the whole uh, uh, Satanism thing in uh, trial. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, yeah, that was a huge thing that they brought in, mm -hmm. is that, like... Um, and, uh, let's see. <laughs> so, he was going to smuggle in a gun and kill the prosecutor of his case. And, um, I guess some, I, he was talking about it, and some of the employees there heard him over like heard him talking about it so they installed a metal detector into the the courtroom that his trial was being held at and he got caught uh, <laughs> and then um yeah, so it, it's it's hard with some of this stuff like because there is a level of intelligence mm -hmm. with all these guys and it really makes uh in some of their actions that really makes you wonder like really were were they really that smart well and that was another thing about him is like he had this this um reputation for being um like you know apparently trained by a green beret yes. you know and so like um during his trial one of the jurors uh didn't show up mm -hmm. and they went and she was staying at a hotel and they went to the hotel and found her dead she had been shot to death in the hotel but he was being held in custody in between trials. You know, mm -hmm. he was being held at a prison. So um, the rest of the jurors started panicking, thinking that he somehow found a way out, went, killed her, and then went back to his cell. Mm -hmm. And um, so they kind of, that uh, kind of, and he never denied it. So that kind of like amplified, like people, the jurors were even starting to become afraid of convicting him. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, it was found out shortly after, it was a few days later. Um, that they found out that she actually was killed by her boyfriend who mm -hmm. suspected her of cheating. So he killed her. It's always and then, the boyfriend. Yeah, he killed her and then shot himself in the hotel room and with the same gun, and they were able to trace all of that and find out that it was him, that it was the boyfriend and not Richard Ramirez. So they replaced the juror, and they continued on with um, yeah. the trial and everything. Well, I mean, and, it makes sense. He's an opportunist, and he yeah. saw an opportunity to intimidate. Exactly. So... And, uh, yeah, so he, he, uh, murdered 13 people, um, five attempted murders that 
didn't then that's how he was identified was he attempted to murder five people that um, ended up getting away and then uh, uh, 11 sexual assaults and 14 burglaries it was his rap sheet by the end of it and he was um, sentenced to the death penalty for a gas chamber oh, in California damn. yeah and uh, while awaiting the death penalty he had um, what is it is it B cell lymphoma I think it's B-cell lymphoma. It's what he ended up dying from is lymphoma, but I think it was B-cell lymphoma. Um, and he ended up dying while awaiting, uh, while awaiting oh, on death row. Um, so, yeah, he, he was convicted of 13 counts of murder. Um, and uh, he Which, had, once again, I was surprised. I, I thought it would have been more. Well, and it, it's, his was in the 80s. Uh, more and more, like today, it's, it's harder for serial killers to really kind of get going. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a lot but harder. But he did for, have a whole rap sheet of so if you want to go by victims, he definitely had Oh, he had a lot of victims, but um as far as like murder. Murders, yeah, yeah it was 13, which is is pretty um if you want to if you want to talk about just prolific serial killers, the most prolific serial killer in US history is uh Samuel Little. Oh, and, yes. And um yeah, he Whoa. was recently caught. Yeah. And uh he confessed think- to 93 and last time I looked, I'll check again, but last time I looked, I think 61 of them were confirmed. Um, yeah, they've linked him to over 60. Jesus. And he's confessed to as many as 93. The thing that makes him interesting is um, Samuel Little, is he didn't, like a lot of serial killers will say, I've killed this many people. Mm-hmm. He didn't do that. He didn't say, I've killed 93 people. He said, I've killed this person in this state, and this is where I buried him. I killed this person in this state, and this is where I buried him. And he just kind of kept going with that and kept describing it. And the FBI investigators that were interviewing him tallied him up at the end of it and got to 93. So it wasn't him saying, I killed 93 people. It was him giving 93 different descriptions of people that he had killed. Yeah. And they've linked him to over 60, so they're thinking, like, he might have been, been legit and hit 93. Time. And, um, yeah, he, uh, he is another one that extremely manipulative and, um, they, uh, during some of his interviews, they have disclaimers saying like, oh yeah, that's you know, what you're like don't, yeah, like he's, he's, um, like don't, don't trust him. <laughs> don't trust <laughs> like, yeah, this, this guy, um, so he's, he's serving, currently serving four life sentences without possibility of parole. And, um, they're still looking into the rest of his, uh. Um, claims, I guess. So since uh, he was he was interviewed in May of twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. I could be wrong. It might have been twenty eighteen. Well, I think maybe that's a good stopping point. Oh, for yeah. Here. Sorry, real quick. No, he was, it's all good. He was uh, interviewed in May of twenty eighteen, and um, by November. I'm sorry. I'm 2019. I remember now because I was here when I found out about it. I wasn't here in May of 2018. So it was May of 2019. He was interviewed about it. By November, they had linked him to over 30. And then by June the following year. So that might have been June one of our first year, conversations. Because mm-hmm. that was during the spring semester. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Um, so that was. And by, by June yeah. of this year, he, uh, they've linked him to over 60. 
so they're they're still looking they're still finding and yeah so he's another one that we'll cover in a in a future because he's very very interesting as well but um again i i highly recommend the book um for you everyone to read uh the psychopath inside by james fallon and then if you want to look into um uh ed kemper a little bit more um you can kind of start to see the similarities with what james fallon was talking about in ed kemper and you'll i i highly suspect that yeah. it's going to change the john douglas book because that's definitely what oh I, yeah, yeah. john douglas's do. book he has actually quite a few of them uh but mindhunter is his, his most uh popular and in that one yeah. is the one i'll, where I'll he, try to read that one before we hit yeah. serial killers again he he talks about um mostly like different interviews and stuff and different cases he's been on um, and stuff like that so yeah it's it's very very interesting yeah. um and but uh, all right also so this is the last episode we will be doing where we are we said that last time but no we, is... no, we didn't <laughs> oh yeah because it was a two-part we, we, that's right that's no right. we said uh that um that this episode the previous episode was going to be the last one yeah and we did not cover that we and we said hey we're gonna do a part a two-part two yeah so this so we're technically not wrong technically yeah not wrong. we're technically not wrong this um, is a continuation of the previous episode. Yeah, and uh, so just to describe what's going to be going on from now on, uh, like part of what's going to be going on from now on is we will be spinning the wheel, and uh, after episodes that are with us, we're going to have a Skype com. We're going to be over Skype, and um, it's not going to affect the... If you're listening this to on the podcast, it's really not going to affect... Uh, you're listening, but if you're on the Patreon or if you're watching clips on YouTube, um, instead of us being in the same room, it's going to be us um, over a Skype call mm-hmm. doing these discussions. But also, uh, the next episode, we will actually have our first guest. Oh, okay. It's a friend of mine. Um, so are we, we're not spinning then? No, we, we still spin. We still spin. Okay. Um, more, uh, her name is, uh, um, Alice, Alice Saron. Sorry. She is a, uh, registered nutrition okay. and nutritionist. Sorry. I'm tired right now. It's, that's fair. It's like, it's, it's early in the morning. Yes. Um, um see what we do for you. Yes. Do you see what we do for you? Well, I'm, I'm actually happy. Cause oh, we, I definitely we, wanted to finish that part we, too. Yeah. I, it was, I'm it happy was, we did. yeah. Um, I got on a roll and yeah. I didn't want to stop. So, no, I know. Um, but anyway, so yeah. what will be happening is that in our respective areas, we're going to host our own interviews. Um, it's not going to pertain to the Wheel of Misfortune. They're going to be topics either in their field of study, uh, their field of interest, or just a random topic in general. Like, mm. uh, I plan on having a couple of guests that, uh, um, that quite honestly, we're just going to talk about like our childhood together or something mm. uh you know it's just gonna be a mix of things but when it comes to the wheel uh we will spin it after every episode that is the two original hosts uh tito and myself and um the next time that we do an episode it will be whatever the wheel topic is mm. um and we will still try to do that at least once a week uh, yeah which should be able to yeah we should we should be able to get that done and you know 
it'll be good. Yeah, so it'll check be us fun. out. All right, so let's spin this wheel. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead since I did it last time? Well, it's the last time you're going to spin this wheel, yeah. Miss Fortune. He, All right. Like we said, we're going to work on that teleportation device. Yeah. And uh, he'll get it. the last out. time for right now. Right now. Yeah. Okay. All right, so we'll yeah, okay. get that going. I don't know if we can Also, see before, because it. it's going to happen. I know it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, we are. You were so, right to stop me. <laughs> if we hit a topic again, especially after we've done a two-parter, we're going to skip that topic. Yeah, we're, we're gonna, not going to do them consecutively. We're going to do a re-roll. So we have a lot of topics on this board that are we realize are going to be very, um, there's going to be a lot to cover. So some topics we're going to leave up there for revisiting later. And um, so if you guys are seeing this, you know that we just did a two-part episode on serial killers, and it's still on the board. So um, we're going to spin here, and if it lands on serial killers, we're going to spin again so it lands on something else. But we're leaving it up there for um, revisitation for later. It'll be good for, um, for the next spin that's done. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so, spin the Wheel of Misfortune, right. sir. It wasn't a great spin. No, it wasn't. But, but what was it? Comics. <gasps> oh, that's a good oh, one. Oh, look I'm so sorry. That that's a good one. You shouldn't have showed me that. And next to it was books. Yeah. Well, but it passed books, hit comics, and stopped right there. If I would have given it just a, but I didn't. It's almost there. It's almost there. Do you want it? You want it? No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do, but we're not gonna do it. We'll we'll do comics, especially because comics is another one we're gonna hit a lot. Yeah, Um, it definitely is. We can already tell you right now. That when we hit it, it's going to be a shit ton of DC. Not going to lie, I'm really sad that we didn't hit it because our fans still don't know what the Freddy effect is. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Um, See, I'm sorry, and I'm, I'm not, re- not going to say what it is until we hit it. Yeah. Because I think it is only going to be a one-part episode, if not a, it may be a two-part episode, but I think it's just I gonna think be it's, it's going to be one of those that will hit it as a one-part episode, and, and then then it'll be if something up. else comes up, that kind of pertains to the Freddy effect. We'll bring it We'll up. do it again. Yeah. yeah. Do it again. I had a really weird it's fine. vocal right there. Um, but all right. So comics, I guess, is our next one. Yeah, we all will right. be doing comics, and that's another one that's going to stay up there for a long time. Yeah. Um, um, damn. But, I'm but so you, sorry. I'm the worst. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have even pointed that out to me, man. I, I did. I wouldn't have. Because uh, I'm a little bummed about it, too. I, as much as I love comic books, and I love Batman, and I love DC, and I just... That... It was just right there, and I, I really... I'm, yeah. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get there. It'll be... Um, I feel it next spin. I'm feeling it. Just don't next make spin. promises. I'm not making a promise. I'm just saying I feel just it. Just don't. Most of my feelings are wrong, but I feel it next spin. So... I... She doesn't know, as I'm saying, I feel it next spin, and then when the camera's off, I'm going to spin it again, it'll land on it, and then the next one will be something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> you should really view the look I just gave you. It's, just, it's just more pure words, disappointment. It's yeah. more than words can ever describe. Yeah. But all right. right. Well, thanks for tuning in for our two, our first two-part episode. Yes. Of serial killers and our episode of us being in the same room. Well, not final. It. We will meet again one day. So yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. It's we'll a final again. for right now. Yeah. 
Until we get um, money. Until we figure out this teleportation system to transport each other. Yes. Um, it's the last and also one there's for right a, now. There, there's also still a pandemic going on, so we technically that too. can't really travel. No. Well, and that's why we're making the teleportation device mostly. Is, yeah, um, less contact. We, yeah, we don't have to do air travel. The social distancing is fine. No. It's just literally <laughs> <laughs> teleporting each other. Um, no, so yeah, it, it, thanks for tuning in to our first two-part episode of Serial Killers. I had a blast talking about it. I, I, I know too. you enjoy talking about it a lot. I, I have um, nothing but... I definitely know a couple of viewers that, that are really, really interested in Serial Killers and that, that kind of talk as well. So... Um, I, I, I don't know about um, your some of your side of viewers. Oh, if definitely. They, yeah, definitely. so um, it's, it's, I, I, I think it's like a hot topic. I think a lot well, of people are also, into it. Also, I feel like it's more educational because um, we didn't really cover, like I said, when I said it in the first one, I didn't want to cover um, the really popular ones like yeah, Ed yeah. Bundy and Dahmer mm -hmm. because they are... Like they have like so. We many didn't cover the Zodiac. We didn't cover Jack yeah. the Ripper. We didn't. Yes, yeah, so there's there's a lot that. Cover Jack the Ripper so bad. I know. We'll get there. We'll get, it's gonna come up again. Mm. I think I think we I should do um, Zodiac and maybe Jack the Ripper in the next time we we I land on. I don't want to do an international episode. We can do that, and you want to cover Jack the Ripper in that yes. one because there's there's a lot of international serial killers that I have know. in the triple digits. <laughs> you got to think. I mean, America, we, we have a pretty we're, good... We're just known for it. We have a good, well, we have a good law enforcement system. Yeah. So a Thanks. lot of other countries didn't have the technology that we had, so their really? killers could get up into the triple digits before they got caught. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so anyways, uh, so next... Next one, comics, will eventually cover serial killers again. And that'll be our first teleportation. Um, yeah, that'll episode. be our first, um, yeah, like, online episode and... and so yeah, we'll uh, we'll get that out. Um, that'll be next week's episode, I guess. Yep. Okay. And then, uh, um, no, next week is the first guest. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So, so the following week will be comics. Yes. Right. will be coming. For that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, so all right. So have a good one, and right. uh, we'll Thank see you guys next time. For Check us out. Thank you for uh, the Page Eleven podcast, mm -hmm. the non-recommended podcast, as you can see why. Yeah. All right, y'all have a good one. See ya.